here with me. You can turn to Exodus, is where we will begin first of all this morning. Exodus chapter 31 is where we'll be. I want to minister a message this morning entitled, The Fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to understand as we go forward in this church age, as this curtain is about to be pulled by the Lord on this age, it is about to be pulled. We are at the end of a 6,000-year period, the six days represented by the six days of creation, and then we, with the Lord, move into the seventh day of rest, that 7,000th year period. We move into that. That is very scriptural and very real, and it is about to happen. It is about to happen because the Lord has it all on a time schedule. And as we get ready to leave this age, as we get ready... He is preparing his bride to look for him, his coming. Preparing us to, to, by getting us out of all the mixture and all the confusion and all the contradiction that we need no longer be in, but we can have the word that is lighting up the path that is before us. No longer casting his words behind us for our own personal path, but we can literally be found allowing God's word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And when we talk about what we'll talk about today, it will be because of what the Lord has given us uh, as a focus of Calvary. That's his focus. He has no other focus. He's spoken everything he's ever spoken through what he would do at the cross. He's done all his works that he will ever do through what he did on the cross in his son. I hope you've come to that conclusion. I said, I hope you've come to that conclusion. And even the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we've been seduced for so many years, for so long. We've read so many books. We've been all hopped up about Azusa Street. None of you were there. None of you were there. You have to read books. Those books are not the Bible, and you weren't there. Those books are not the Bible, and you were not there. You do not know what went on there. You cannot place faith in anything but Christ. That means in his death, hallelujah. So when the Lord is teaching us about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it has not been what we've experienced all these years. It has not been the great Pentecostal fleshly hyper-emotionalism. It has not been that. Because without the cross, there is no true Pentecost. There cannot be. It cannot be. Because the power of Pentecost is the cross. The result of true Pentecost is one's faith in the cross, one's boast in the cross. Nothing else. Not a boast in Pentecost. The fires of God do not come from Pentecost. They come from the cross. That's where the fire was kindled, began to burn. And I want to share with you this Something the Lord told me the other day, and then I'm going to let you see it for your own self in the Word. Pentecost is all about the law. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's the law. 
You hear the hairs moving on their arms this morning. It's so quiet up in here. Pentecost has everything to do with law. Under the old covenant, what happened on the first Pentecost? God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. What happened on the fullness of the manifestation of the new covenant Pentecost? What happened on that day? A new law. A new law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So Pentecost is all about law. It's just which law? Which law? It's not the law of, of Moses, the law where we got to do this and do that, and if we don't, we got to go uh, cut an animal's throat. No, I, man, I, my, I'm thankful I didn't live in that time. I'm thankful that what I need has already been fulfilled and completed and perfected, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus through what he did at Calvary. But both Pentecost, God's focus of both Pentecost is law. Hebrews 7.12 says there's a new priesthood, and because there's a new priesthood, it, it, it requires a new law. Jesus is the head of the new priesthood. He's the great high priest forever and forever. There will never be another new priesthood. This is it. You're in it already if you're a Christian. And he's the new high priest, eternal high priest. And because he is now, and it's no longer Aaron and his fellows in the tribe of Levi, that means there's a new law. In Romans 8 and 2 gives us what that new law is. It's the law of the spirit of life. That's the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. And if you truly believe Romans 8 and 2 means what it says, that God works by a new covenant law, the only place he works is in Christ Jesus, meaning your faith has to be in Christ Jesus. And that means what he did at Calvary because that's the only place he's going to be found working in your life. And if you don't understand that, then Pentecost becomes mostly what, mostly what we've seen throughout the ages. I don't need to be slapping you around for you to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be shaking you and rocking you trying to get you to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And hear me this morning, I will never, ever be a part of that anywhere again. Ever. There's times too short to be wasting. You won't find any of that in my Bible or your Bible. What you'll find is people hearing about something they didn't know and just believing it and receiving it. Amen. Didn't folk have to pile up around them and do a bunch of stuff? They heard it. They wanted it. They believed it. They received it. And they were full of the Holy Ghost. Now, this don't go over well with a lot of folk because I'm a Bible believer. I got to have Scripture. Don't come talking to me about reading in between the lines. We're scriptural church. God's doing this. God's doing this. The old covenant, Pentecost, was established when God gave Moses the law on Sinai. New covenant, 
the fulfillment of the Pentecost, New Covenant Pentecost, was when the Lord sent his spirit so that he could work in the hearts of those that believed in Christ Jesus. And they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. You know what that means? Filled. When you're filled with the Spirit and you're squeezed, the Spirit comes out. We know it's true. Before we get into the Scriptures, I want to remind you, Paul, the apostle, was filled with the Holy Ghost three days after he was converted. Ananias prayed for him. The scales fell off his eyes, and he, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But yet Paul himself would eventually cry out, I can't live this life. I'm a miserable, wretched mess. Who's going to save me? But he was preaching Christ. But he didn't know how to live for Christ. But he was preaching Christ. People were getting saved, but he didn't know how to live for Christ. He couldn't live for Christ, but he was preaching Christ. People were getting saved, but he didn't know how to live for him. He was a miserable mess. Why? Because he had not yet received the truth of Romans 8, 2, the truth of Romans 6. And until he received that of the Lord, he might have been in ministry, but he was miserable in ministry. In the last six months, I've watched preachers just walk away from churches. Just walk away. Who claimed to have been preaching the message of the cross for years. You preach the message of the cross, my friend, you got to believe it too. Exodus chapter 31 is where we'll start show you a few verses, and we're going to be on this topic for two or three weeks because the Lord needs to get our attention concerning what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. It's very biblical for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. Matter of fact, everybody who runs away from those that speak in tongues, that's a sin. That's a sin. Because the Bible says, forbid not tongues. So when you run away from it, or you, I'm not going to have anything to do with it, you're forbidding tongues. That's a sin. I don't have my sign anymore up here, so hold on just a minute. Amen, Brother Curtis. That's a sin. We've been to church before. We were looking for a church a long time ago, and we walked in the door, they handed us a piece of paper, and it said, we believe in tongues, but we don't allow it here. That means you don't believe in it. You allow what you believe in. <laughs> They're forbidding tongues. Let me say this before we go on. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not about tongues. It's about law. Pentecost, I mean. Pentecost, all about law, the law of life, spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We'll see it as we go through this message. Two or three weeks, we'll, we'll, give, uh, we'll let the Lord show us some things. Exodus 31, 18, looking back to the first Pentecost, and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai. How many of you know that's where the Lord gave him the first five books of the Bible he wrote? 
he gave him two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Stone. So you're going to see a difference today in the old Pentecost and the new Pentecost and what the real focus is. The first Pentecost, God wrote with his own finger in rocks and stones the Ten Commandments. Gave them to Moses. You know the story. He goes down the mountain. He sees the people having one big ungodly thing going on, built a golden calf. He gets angry. He throws the stones. He breaks them all. So I want you to highlight that. I want you, if you're taking notes, write this down. This, this verse 18 in Exodus 31. It's where God, with his own finger, wrote his law in the rock, in the tab- tables of stone. Now, if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, let's see how fast Brother Nicky is this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, pretty fast, I'll say. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, written by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. God's no no longer writing his laws in rocks. He's writing his laws in the hearts of his people. It's still his spirit, his finger, so to speak. It's him. But he's writing his laws in the tables of our hearts. We need to understand it. Now let's move on. I've shown you that. We're moving on. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. Now, these, prom- to, these promises we're about to read in Hebrews here also come from Ezekiel. That's where they were pulled out of. You can find them. You study, you'll find these promises that we're about to read right here, rewritten in Hebrews, were pulled out of Ezekiel, the prophet's writings. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Look at the middle of that verse again. I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts. This is really the new covenant fulfillment is seen right here. Jesus said, when the comforter, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is how that happens. He cannot guide you into any truth that he is not allowed to write in your heart. There's more truth we need to know. He said all truth. We've not reached the end of truth. Amen. And I know it by my own personal life because I see I still need to be experiencing more liberty and freedom. And that only comes, my Jesus taught me, when I know the truth. That means I need to know the truth. I know the truth that made me free, but I need to be 
experientially knowing that truth even more so. I don't need to be searching the internet now for something more that's different. I need to be searching, if I'm searching at all, I need to be searching for more of what I already have. Because if it's different from what I have, I'm not going to find the freedom and the liberty that I really already have that I need to be experiencing. Amen. So that was Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16. A couple chapters over. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Now, now, now think about this. He's repeating this again. In the same letter, he's repeating this. And, and again, this is pulled from the prophetic voice of God through Ezekiel under the old covenant. It comes to light here. It comes to light here. Twice it's written in this same letter. This is the covenant. You and I are in the covenant. We're a part of this covenant where what we're reading can, can be happening to you. Now, we know it doesn't automatically happen because of what the Lord told Paul to tell the church in Galatia that now because you're trusting in circumcision, anything other than what he, what he did at Calvary, Christ can no longer affect you or profit you. That's in your Bibles in Galatians 5, 1 through 4. That's what the whole letter of Galatians is about coming back to a focus and a dependence upon Christ through faith in his sacrifice. Not just Christ. Christ is of no benefit, no profit, no, has no biblical, scriptural, godly effect on you if your faith is not in what he did at Calvary. Won't work. So, What's written cannot be just automatically written in your heart. It takes, as the song we sang this morning, seeking to find to love more. And Jesus said, when you love me, you'll be found obeying me. So the more I love him, the more I... Now, I'm already obedient in my position in heaven, but here I need to be found in my experience obedient. Amen. I'm obedient because I have Christ's obedience. But I need to be found walking in the footsteps of his obedience. Amen. Hebrews 10, 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. This is new covenant experience. This is new covenant experience. It's not just another meeting and just another touch. It's God writing his word in your heart and your mind. Hallelujah. We need the touch of the Holy Spirit. But his touch is not always a quiver and a shiver. His touch is not always us gathered around jumping up and down. His real new covenant touch is him touching your heart with his finger by his spirit, writing his law, his words of life, light, and liberty in your heart. 
And when he's allowed to do that, your feet are in what he's riding. Hallelujah. That's new covenant experience. Preaching of the cross is the power of God. Mm. These are, this is what we should be experiencing. I won't ask you to stand up and testify, but when's the last time God wrote something in your heart? Let me tell you something. You get around cross-eyed people and you ask them that? Because they stand in the place where God writes his law in their hearts and minds. Where's that place? Not in some building, not in some town, not in some certain preacher. They stand where they were planted in the beginning in the likeness of their Savior's death. That's where they stand. That's where the finger of God writes his laws in our hearts. Let's talk a minute again before we move to the book of Acts. Let's remind ourselves of what the Lord is showing me, that many think the answer to be able to overcome sin, to, to, to overcome sin, listen, or to even have power to do anything comes just because of Pentecost. Just because I've been filled with the Holy Ghost and I speak in other tongues every day of my life doesn't mean that I can't live a defeated life. Doesn't mean that I can't be a preacher doesn't mean that I can't be mixed up in the wrong stuff. I can speak in tongues and I can be deceived and think I can speak my speak tongues out of my problem and you'll never do it in your entire life. You'll never do it. It wasn't given to you for that. The Bible gives us the reason we speak in other tongues. There's more than one or two. And let me say it again, y'all ought to be full of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues every day. It's new covenant experience. You're hearing this. You ought to leave out of here speaking in other tongues today if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But that, but that right there, that gift that the Lord will never take away from you, some have been deceived and think because they can still speak in tongues, they're full of the Holy Spirit. Just because you got filled and you spoke with other tongues and God won't repent and take that gift away from you doesn't mean you're full of the Holy Ghost today. Some have made that like it's just some kind of denomination in and all of itself. Well, we're full of the Holy Ghost right here. We speak in other tongues. Well, that don't mean you're full. Of, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're delivering what the Holy Ghost is trying to deliver. And he ain't delivering your boast to be in Pentecost. I'm preaching better than your way many. Some of you probably get mad in the days ahead. But that'll just have to be it is. We started with four or five. We might end up with four or five. But we'll be preaching what we started with. We'll fall away from folks. We'll fall out of associations with folks. Let me tell you right now, if you're opening the door to leaven... That's, that's, that's an association I don't, I don't have anything to do with. I don't have nothing to do with it. You can listen to Kenneth Copeland say the right stuff. 
Can't you listen to him say some right stuff? Yeah, you can. You can turn old Kenneth Copeland on. He can be saying some right stuff. But then he'll tell you Jesus died and went to hell and suffered a sinner. That's a lie. But you can turn his program on. I hadn't in years, but you could turn him on and hear him say some right things. Does that mean you're going to follow him? You open the door to leaven. That's it. That's it. We've preached what we've preached all these years. It's the power of God. We believe in Pentecost, speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick. But what people are really after, I, I don't mean to be ugly this morning, but I know how fleshly we are. I know how fleshly we are. And I'll just use you so nobody get mad and try to slap me back. I won't slap you or nothing. But people, they just want this kind of stuff. They just, they just want that. They want that fleshly stuff. And they call that the Holy Ghost. And listen, I ain't saying it's not the Holy Ghost, but you ain't got no way of proving it is. I've watched, I've watched a man slap a man one time, telling him, literally, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Slapping him on the cheek. I was sitting up against the wall thinking, that man about to blow your head off, son. I've watched them shake. I've watched them rock. I've watched them, I've watched them shake them till they go down. I watched one woman shake a boy for 30 minutes, and he wouldn't go down the ground after church. She said, and it was a preacher's son. She, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, Derek Martin. You remember him? And some woman shook him 30 minutes, and he wouldn't go down. And see, they, they, uh, she finally wore herself out trying to shake him. And after church, she said, Hey, Derek, what'd you get out of that? And he looked at her. I stand right over. I laugh so hard. He looked at her and he, she, he, she said, Derek, what'd you get out of that while ago? And he said, not a darn thing. And he didn't. It's a bunch of mess out there, folks. We've known people personally through the years. They'll come here the preaching of the cross. They'll stand out here during praise and worship, never even change an expression, never lift a hand, just stand there. But during the altar call, they'll get up there and uh, yeah, I'm just like Elijah. I'm mocking on, on Mount Carmel. Message of the cross can't move them. Praise and worship God can't move them. But you give an altar call and they want to be seen. Uh, they want to be uh, Message of the cross ain't moving them. Praise and worship God ain't moving them. Something else moving them. Something else moving them. Deceitfully deceived. And they follow preachers. They follow preachers who they never see doing that. But who are okay with it and won't say nothing about it. That wallet. See, I'll be preaching here if y'all don't come back next week. Tune in at 10 a.m. I came out of all that 18 almost years ago. I'm not looking back. When I do, I still get sick. When it gets close to me, I get nauseated. And, I try, and we're going to bring everything back to Calvary. I don't care what we're talking about. Don't care what we're talking about. God's focus is never Pentecost. His focus is His Son. 
He speaks to us in these last days by his son. He does what he does in these last days by his son. We, all, we, all, we come out of some stuff, didn't we? Brother Chris and him, his family come out of some stuff. Some of y'all ain't never been in what we've been in. Some of those who are opening the door to leaven right now that we've been associated with for years, they ain't never been in what we've been in. So we know what we come out of. Amen. And that's why we begin to slide away when we see that leaven being allowed to creep back in. Because it ain't the cross or Pentecost. It's both. But the priority is the sacrifice. God don't gather his people around Pentecost. God don't gather his people around Pentecost. He gathers his people around what caused Pentecost. Mm. Amen. So back to my topic here. We already talked about Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know, even though the Bible didn't say he spoke with other tongues, when he received it later, he said, I speak with more tongues than y'all. So we know he received that gift too when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. But my point this morning about Paul is he was living a miserable Christian life. And, and he could get people saved, but he couldn't do anything for them after that. As far as living in victory. As far as living in victory. And how many of you know, if you're not living in victory, you have, you have no expression of Christ. The expression of Christ is victorious Christian living. So that's Paul. And as I always do under the leading of the Lord, go back to Peter in Antioch. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He stood on Pentecost and preached the cross, and 3,000 people got saved. But yet in Antioch, being full of, he, he, let me say it right, he had been full of the Holy Ghost, sp spoke with other tongues, preached salvation message at Pentecost, but yet in Antioch, he's, he's not full of the Holy Ghost. Fear comes rushing in his heart because he hears some boys from James's church is coming. Fear grips his heart, moves him out of the liberty he was experiencing. Now, you got to understand, I'm not saying that, that he didn't have liberty. In Christ Jesus, in your position, you have everything you will ever need, but we're talking about the condition, your experience now, step by step, day after day, moment by moment. He was not in that time filled with the Holy Spirit. He had been. Now he was filled with fear. Now he was filled with himself. And he played the part of a hypocrite. My point in reminding you of Peter and Paul this morning in these situations is because just because you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, doesn't mean you know how to live for God. And even if you do know how through faith in the sacrifice exclusively, doesn't mean that I'm always going to choose to do that. Because I'm still in this flesh body and I still sometimes want to have my own way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
That'd be all of us. Every true called, God-called pastor wants their church to be spirit-filled. Want to hear somebody speaking in other tongues, somebody interpreting those tongues? And I think some of you have those gifts. You just, some, there's some kind of fear there blocking that. What are people going to think? I mean, don't worry about what people think. Be used of the Lord. Be used of the Lord. This is a new covenant experience. But know this, we will never be a part of what we came out of. We will never go back into that. And we will never welcome any of that here, ever. And for that, we're called elitists. For that, we're called People who are all sorts of names with words of deceit that are being framed so beautifully to try to entice you to leave here and to follow them. It's happening now. It's happening now. Words deceitfully framed and put together. Well, brother, you do know. No, I don't. I know what I'm saying this morning. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 9 this morning, we'll just start all over. Acts chapter 9 this morning, verse 1, and wherever we stop here today is where we will begin next week. Let's start in verse 8 after uh, the story uh, continues after about Saul, who would be Paul later, uh, causing great havoc in the church. And he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and he's, he's saved. He believes. He accepts Christ. This man who lived an awful life and imprisoning Christians, mothers, fathers, children, hating the way of Jesus, hating those that were of the way of Jesus, but He's putting them in prison, dragging them out of their homes off to prison because they were following a Jesus that he didn't know. But he meets Christ and he's born again. In verse 8 in Acts 9, the Bible says, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. You see, he did end up making it to where he was going, but when he got there, (laughs) it wasn't quite the same expectation he'd had when he left home to go there. Isn't that a good God? And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, 
I've heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. You sure about this, Lord? But the Lord said unto him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So if you get confused sometime about who Paul was called to, it was far more than just the Gentiles. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, notice he calls him brother. He's saved. Brother Saul, the Lord, now you know he might have been a little doubtful though. He might have had one eye open. Brother Saul. <laughs> Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto you in the way as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. But when he received his sight, he was also filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 tells us that. The Lord healed his eyes and filled him with the Spirit. Amen? So even though, verse 20 says, and immediately, immediately, he did what people full of the Holy Ghost will do. Let, let me say that one more time. Let me say it one more time. He was fit. It wasn't just because it was Paul. This is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. He immediately preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. That's the result. Tongues comes with the initial evidence, but the ministerial effect is to preach Jesus. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. We see it at Pentecost. We'll read it. We'll get to it. Peter stands and corrects them when they say, them folks up there drunk. We'll get to it. We're going to spend two or three Sundays on this because the Lord don't want you confused. He don't want you confused. He wants you scripturally held by the truth. He wants your experience. Listen, he wants your experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit to be greater than it ever has been before. And it can be because you know the place the Holy Spirit works. People have said, well, they're just all about the cross. They, they need to come over here where the Holy Ghost. No. I, I don't listen to words like that. Message of the cross is the power not, the, not my delivery, not my, not my hands and my face expression. The, the, the gospel, within the gospel is the power to save and heal and to deliver. 
and for ministerial everything. The power only comes out of the gospel, and the gospel is what God did in Christ through his death at Calvary. So it's not those on that side of the road who are preaching the cross and then them over here. You, you want to learn about the Spirit. You, no, you want to learn about the Spirit. You learn about the cross. For as much as you know about the cross of Christ in the Scriptures, that's how much you truly going to know about the Spirit of God. Mm. That's just reality. That's just reality. That other, most of that other stuff is just witchcraft. It's men. It's men. Wanting to be recognized. All this declaring stuff. I just declare over you. I just, yeah, listen, don't no preacher know what God's going to do in your life today. No preacher knows what God's going to do in your life today. We know what God can do, but we don't know what God will do. That's just, that's, 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 that's focus on me. But words are framed so deceitfully that the people never even know it's a bunch of self-centered ministry. The only way it's not self-centered is if it's cross-centered. That's the only way. I don't care if I get up here and just cry to make you think I'm in this wholeheartedly. And oh, my Lord, and oh, my Lord. Listen, if it ain't about the cross, it's about self. It's that narrow. It's that narrow. Listen, some of you are going to go through some things. I just pray that you make it through it. You go, some of you going through it right now. You just, you just confused about. You, you can, listen, if you just sell out and go the way of the cross, confusion go out the window. Confusion go out the window. Because where there's confusion, there's contradiction. And what that means, I'm confused. That means I'm just floating around here. Then I'm floating around there. Then I'm. That means I'm like something floating around on a, a wave at an ocean, tossed to and fro. I, let me say this. We got about 20 more minutes. I've watched people in our church, people in our church, struggle in certain areas, certain areas. And really the, the, really the root of the struggle was was. was what am I really going to do with this truth about the cross? That's, that's the real root of every struggle. And I've watched them. I, I don't know the details, but I know they got to a point where they just said, oh, okay, that's it. I'm going the way of the cross. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm, I'm, only, I'm only looking there. I'm only trusting there. And I'm done listening to anything that's not pointing me there. And let me tell you something. I've watched them catch on fire. I've watched them catch on fire. I've watched the fire burn as a pastor. And that's what I want to see in every child of God in this church, every child of God across the whole earth is to come back to the place the fire burns. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in their life. 
I've watched them catch on fire. Where I was at in Florida, I'm watching these young people. I know our flesh immediately will say, well, how long they going to last? Well, I hope they last at least long as we have. Most people don't last because they begin to listen to words that are framed in a deceitful manner that will guide you right away from the fire, declaring you still got the fire while you're moving away from the fire. You're still declaring you've got the fire, but it's evident in your relationships. It's evident, it's evident in your witness. It's evident in your personal relationships. It's evident that though you're claiming you got the fire, you're being moved away from it. I watched my brother chase three boys down the sidewalk with a chair leg one day. And you know how boys were, at least back in the day, how we'd say stuff like, I don't play. I ain't scared. Anybody ever heard somebody say, I don't play? Well, them boys were hollering that, running, running from him, saying, we don't play, we don't play. In other words, we ain't scared, and he was saying, stop running then. Don't put this broke chair leg upside that head. We don't play. We ain't scared. But they were scared chickens running for their lives. Deceived. Being moved away from the focus and the power of cross through deceitful words framed specifically to move you away. While the whole time declaring, I still got the fire. I still got the fire. I'm still preaching better than your way many. God's answer for everything is the cross. Do I need Pentecostal power in my life? The Bible says I do. Pentecostal power, though, is the Holy Spirit that works within the perimeters only when he finds my faith in the death of Jesus. So Pentecost without that is not biblical Pentecost. And it's a big show of entertainment. It's a distraction. So when somebody talks about revival and there ain't no cross preaching going on, there ain't no revival. Well, there actually is, but it's of the sin nature. You'll be called names. You will be cut loose and made look like you did the cutting. I remember years ago after we came out of a big mess we were in and we were a part of the big mess. And I was doing the best I could to preach and teach my way out of it. It wasn't working very well. And finally after a year and a half, I threw the towel in and said, I'm quitting, Jeanette. Well, I don't even know if she was there. Were you there during that, that year and a half at, down at that place and then in our house on Wednesday nights? Okay. But we, we, we came out of that, and, and I tried to preach myself out of that mess for a year and a half and finally quit. because And I was listening 
I was listening to Sun Life Radio that whole time. But you know what? I wasn't hearing it. I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting A year and a half, I was pastoring a church, listening to Sun Life Radio, but that was just another radio show. I mean, I was hearing that, and I saw that that is right, and it's what made everything I was in, proved it to be wrong, but yet the impartation for my feet to be in what I was hearing, it wasn't happening yet. Now, I'm telling you something powerful this morning. You can be hearing and knowing that what you're hearing is biblical and right, and it is truth, and it's why that other stuff ain't right, but that don't mean I'm putting my feet yet in what is right. That's heart. God writes. God writes what he wants your feet to be in by his spirit in your mind and your heart. If my feet are in it, he's writing it in my heart. That's new covenant experience. That is what Pentecost is all about. Immediately, Paul, blinders fell off, filled with the Holy Spirit. He immediately preached Christ. Are you still sharing Christ? See, that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is really all about, preaching Christ. Not all the other stuff. Well, brother, all the other stuff. No, no, no. If they're not preaching the cross, they're not really preaching Christ. And if they're not preaching Christ, all that other stuff is just them. What about all that stuff that's going on today where the cross was never mentioned? You don't think that God's doing something in there? I'm telling you, the Bible says there's a new covenant law that God will never deviate from. And where there's no faith in the sacrifice, there is no deliverance from self. None. You say, well, Paul, he, he, he must have had some kind of power. He was preaching Christ. You preach Christ and still live a miserable life. How many Christians do you know and how much of your life can you look back on as a Christian and see before you were given the great illumination of Calvary, you were a Christian mess. We were a Christian mess. But when the fire of Calvary began to burn in our hearts, the light, God's Word, literally in experience became a lamp to my feet and my Lord, there's the path. There's the path. Psalms 50 talks about, it's God speaking into his people Israel and said, you've put my words behind you. In other words, that, 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 that they're not no longer what's lighting up your path. And when you, because you've done that, now that, now that you've done that, you're going to hate my instructions. And you're going to start treating people differently now, not better. And even some things, listen, read it, go home, read it. Even some things you see that are wrong, 
you're going to become a part of it. Even though you don't physically go jump in, you're a part of it by not standing against it. So all the warning that you hear that's being blasted away is what God is doing. He's warning. He's warning of everything that's not his covenant. He's warning. Why would he do that? Why These preachers are getting blasted. Well, it's the way they're doing it. Oh, get out of here with that mess. Get out of here with that mess. If that was your favorite preacher doing it, however he was doing it, you'd be okay with it. Amen. Keeping you a little longer today. That's all right. I hadn't preached an hour yet. Ever? No. God didn't do something some 20-something years ago to put out a scream and a shout from heaven about, about coming back to the cross, and then now we just go, all right, I got it. No, no, that's where we are. That's where we're staying. And we're going to warn against everything that's not focused on that. Not going to be ugly to people, going to love people. But we're going to warn people because we're not going to be apart, apart. Go home and read Psalms 50. First thing, one of the first things the Lord says in that short psalm is, I'm not rebuking you for bringing sacrifices and burnt offerings to me continually. What I am rebuking you for is why you're doing it now. You're doing it now because you think I'm hungry. He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. And then he begins to set out in a rebuke to them because if you get the sacrifice wrong, you got it all wrong. If you get the sacrifice wrong, you get it all wrong. If you get the sacrifice right as the only object of faith, the only object of your boast, then you get the rest of it. You'll find the rest of it, listen, God writing it on the tablets of your heart. And your feet will be walking in it. And you won't be ashamed. You won't be ashamed of the gospel. You won't be ashamed to stand with those who are preaching it. But you will be ashamed of those who are opening the door to leaven. God forbid, God forbid we go back from what he brought us out of. The only time God ever sent his people back into where he brought them out of was when he found them building a golden calf. And he said, who's on the Lord's side? A portion of the Levites came out. And he sent that portion back in with their swords to kill their brothers and their families. Is God sending us back in to kill somebody today? No, but he's sending us back in if we're going back in with the message of what brought us out. We're not going back in and their message. We're going back in and deliver the message that brought us out. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Praise be to God.